Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Rachel Young, a true crime goddess. Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. So, I was just thinking, as I usually do this time, <laughs> this time of year, because this is our anniversary time of year. It is our anniversary. Yeah. 2016. Oh, it's been so long. I know. Like five years. The reason I was thinking about it is because guess who got engaged? Jessica. Yes. Nicole. <gasps> Nicole did? Oh, Nicole I got I engaged. I thought you were talking about Jessica How long has Nicole and Travis been going out? Since before the podcast started. Seven years, wow. maybe? Something like that? Yay, Nicole! They yeah. even bought a house together yeah. and finally they got engaged. Yeah. They went on a vacation and the picture that she put up was just hilarious because there's Travis kneeling in the sand and her mouth is like... <gasps> That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Yay, congratulations, Nicole. Nicole's our original, one of our original book girls. Oh, and gee. Jessica's getting married, so that's another book girl. That's our, she was at like our second. She was our second. Major yep. player yep. in the podcast. Man, everybody's getting married off. No yeah, we just got to marry Megan off. Any yeah. day now, Megan. <laughs> It's not marriage isn't Martha's everything. Martha's hot neighbor. <laughs> oh God, yes. There was this one dude that I was talking to from the from the, when I was doing dating sites and stuff, and I told him, you know, that it's really easy to cyberstalk somebody because I don't even know how we got on the subject of it. And he's like, "Well, have you ever cyberstalked me?" I'm like, "No, not really." I said, "I did a lot of that when my son was really young, but now that he's you know older, I don't really do it." And <clears throat> he said, "Well." You can't find out anything about me. I'm like, I bet you I can. He's like, show me. And I'm like, so I have permission to cyberstalk you. And like within five minutes, I was like telling him stuff. And he quit talking to me really quick after that. <laughs> I was like, okay, all done. He asked you to do it. I know. That's what I was like. And it was like, dude, They seriously. don't like a woman with power. <laughs> I mean, I didn't because, you know, privacy is key. And if... Of course, you know, look him up on the watchdog, make sure he's not some kind of freaking sicko. But as far as like, you know, marriage, divorce license, property values and stuff like that, I didn't look any of that stuff up. And he told we me to, to do it and quit talking to me. What kind of house you have before we decide. Dating. Yeah, really. We need to find out if you've got a, a trust fund. Well, really, what <laughs> what you look that up for is to see. I was at Walmart the other day. If somebody and, else is on the deed. Uh, um. A, I was very impressed with their current book selection and Walmart. Yes, wow. At least the the one that I was at here. And I don't normally just buy a book off of a title, but this one I did because it's just so ominous. And Megan Miranda gave it a blurb too, and I love her. But I've never heard of the author. It's by Melanie Gideon, and I'm going to be reviewing this book. But it's called Did I Say You Could Go? <laughs> I was like, that's stalker right there, baby. <laughs> like, and I said it, like, I, I, my sister saw it and she's like, what in the hell? <laughs> well, it's the stalker handbook. Yeah. Actually, Walmart yeah. has expanded their, their book section. They actually that's have some pretty good stuff. The evening and the morning. Yeah. Really? I've yeah. bought books from Walmart before. Walmart and Target actually have really good book sections. Mm hmm Speaking of shopping, not to like totally change the subject or anything, but I don't want to forget oh, right. this time to talk about our... Oh, the jewelry. Yes, our the links. Jewelry. So here's a story. I was staying in the hotel across the street from this little farmer's market when I was in Vancouver, Washington, and there was a little booth there and they had jewelry. Of course, you know, I love jewelry. So I bought a pair of earrings from Fire and Forge. And that's the name of their little business. And the girl has, she's very talented. She does things that are just a little different. 
I also loved the fact that all of her earrings are named after women. I I bought the Helen. Helen. What a name. I wasn't huh? sure if they were like famous women. No, or I don't like... think so. I think they're people that she's inspired by or people that she knows or whatever. I don't know all of the details. I just talked to the girl that was working the booth's name was Feather. It's hard to forget a name like Feather, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And she's a, she, Feather's a reader. So, of course, we had a big, long chat and everything like that. Um, but I contacted Fire and Forge, and they are going to give our listeners a 15% discount. So we'll put the link up for you guys on the podcast notes on our on our uh, website. Woohoo! So yay. Thank you, Fire and Forge. We love you. So Redbubble, I've been putting new designs up. So I've got a design up there for Halloween with a little uh, skeleton dancing... <laughs> Every time I see a skeleton, I think of when Dylan was little. He had a friend that called it a skellington, which cracks me <laughs> like up. Jack like Jack Skellington. Yeah. I see a skellington. Yeah. So um, it says, what does it say on it? You you came up with it, didn't you? Well, it was kind of, it was, it was a Facebook a group. Thing. It was a group effort. Was it the it's, thing about the freezer? <laughs> yes. It says, um, Beware of quiet readers with big oh, freezers. Beware quiet. Be beware of the quiet reader with the big freezer. Yes, because you know. Did I tell you guys I bought a deep freeze? Did you Did really? You? She's like one of the ones you got to be wary of. Yep. Well, you know it has a double meaning for book girls because what we say if a book is too scary. And you put it in the freezer. You got to put, put it in, in the, the freezer. freezer. So yeah. not only are you putting books in your freezer, there's got to be enough room in there in case somebody really pisses you off. Until you can get it. Until to the you pit. can. Yes. Until you can get it to the big hole in the ground. If somebody the, keeps interrupting you when you're reading. What? Yeah. Anyway, on Redbubble, as I was looking at that, I noticed that there was another artisan on there that liked our page. And she does cat designs, and they're so hilarious. Um, it's they, called. They're adorable. It's called Funky Designs. F U N C K Y, isn't it? Yes. Funky Designs. She's from Australia. <laughs> There's a cat on there. <laughs> it's holding two two pistols up in the air. It says pew pew, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Taco Cat spelled backwards is Taco Cat? There's a shirt that says that. She's got a bunch of really cute designs. So we'll put that up. We'll put the link up for her um, Redbubble and our Redbubble as well. Um, gosh, shopping is awesome, isn't it? Oh, I'll give you. Um, so this isn't shopping, but my husband, he works at like a big box retailer. Mm -hmm. So the other night got home like an almost an hour past closing time. Right. Which is not usual at all. And he was kind of irritated when he got home and I was like, okay, what happened? He goes, well, it was 8.15 in the store or 8.16, right? And there's this one woman still in the store and she comes up to him and says, hey, do you have such and such product? And he was like, no, it's not out here, so no. And we're closed, like, you know, get your shit and get out. But he didn't say that to her, right? <laughs> And so, of course, she says, well, can you go look in the back? Oh, and he's like, I fucking hate it when they say that. I would have done. Yep. I looked. Yeah. There. Seriously, well, when I worked at Walmart, I would walk in the back and walk around for a minute and then walk back. And I'm like, no, we're out in the back, too. Oh, <laughs> that's what I told him he should have done. But no, he goes into their big freezer and he looks and they have a pallet of it. But it's literally a pallet that is up on a shelf. Right. Oh, so crap. they need a forklift to get it down. And so he says, yes, but <gasps> no. get a forklift to get it down. And she says, okay, do that. I'll wait. <gasps> yep. And they are already closed. Okay. But so because they, there is still just her one customer in the store, they cannot drive the forklifts with anyone in the store without spotters. So not only are they closed, she is the only person and she is asking them to do this. They have to pull other people off of their assignments who are wanting to go home to spot. So the forklift driver can come in, pull this pallet of product down, right? And get it for her. What the fuck and was so it? They, what was it? So it's like lo mein noodles. 
something. Chow me. No, that's so stupid. Tom's like, okay, the the she better buy like a bunch of this. She's like, I'll take one. Thank (gasps) you. At nearly nine o'clock, when they are all supposed to be done and leaving because they've been closed for an hour, she takes one bag and is like, thanks. That's it. Dang. That's crazy. He's going to learn really quick that you have to lie sometimes because people are shit. That's what I told What's her. her. Name? Said, What's lie. her name, Karen, by chance? <laughs> I'm fairly certain. I'm fairly certain. <laughs> Sorry, all you nice, Car- nice Karens out there. And I know a nice Karen, but he didn't get home. Like I, the store closes at eight and it was nearly 10 when he got home for one bag of fucking frozen chow mein. Why is, fro- why is chow, chow mein frozen? Because, you know, they have like frozen fried rice and that kind of stuff. Oh. And yeah, just frozen it noodles. Was like, it was like, you can come back another time. It would never occur to me. Like, and my Walmart constantly doesn't have the stuff I'm looking for. It would never occur to me to go up to one of them and be like, can you go check in the back? And yeah, my peanut butter her. and I don't like it. Come There's back a- another yeah. time. He literally told her it is up on a shelf and we would have to get a forklift. And she's like, do it. Okay, bitch. (laughs) I hope that it was for something really important and that it wasn't just for a dinner and like, you know, sometime during the week. Not even for her 108 year old grandmother whose dying wish was to have this dish with these noodles. And she was like on life support dying. Yeah. Nope, then that would be okay. Really nope. Because yeah, right. she told Tom, she was like, my daughter likes it. So I just want to have some. Dang. That's it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it makes me feel bad when I don't have something that Tyler wants when he comes over to my house. But it is what it is. If I don't have it, I don't have it. What are you going to do about it? it? And it wasn't just like, it's not just one employee. You're keeping all of these employees late. Yeah, that's it. You know, I think we're, we're, you know, we're getting ready. We're we're entering the season where this is about to get. This is going to be a bad season. It's going to be a bad season, I can tell already. I mean, people are already such dicks right now. The whole, (laughs) the whole mask thing. I mean, people are out of fucking control right now. And the vaccine. I mean, people are like all all pissy about the vaccine and about the masks and. And we're headed into shopping season and people are, you know, pissed off about Christmas already because the toys are not going to be available. You've heard about that, right? Yeah, because. No, what's up with that? Yeah, there's a shortage due to, well, it's like a supply chain problem. And it's with a lot of things. I mean, like right now at the car dealers. They don't have the chips to go in the cars, so they're not getting the the cars. The dealerships are half empty. You know, and they have the same situation with toys. There's only a limited number of stuff going to be available this year. So parents are going to be pissed off. Shoppers are going to be pissed off. Parents need to get creative. Look, here's an avocado. (laughs) Look at its pretty dress. (laughs) <laughs> you can you can use it as a ball until it gets soft enough and then it's a tasty treat. Yummy, <laughs> yummy, Mr. Avocado. Speaking I know of what there's lots of still books. There's tons of books. Buy your kids some books. Buy your kids lots and lots and lots of books. You don't need a microchip to, for a book. No, you sure don't. That's exactly you right. Sure don't. Not a regular book anyways. Well, yeah. Yeah. Not one of them fancy dancy reading. No, books. we don't need those kinds of books. We we just need we just need the real thing. Speaking real of the real thing, baby. Speaking of the real thing. So you know, in the olden days, our parents, at least my my parents, you know, my my mom was a little kid during the Great Depression because I had a very old mother, and you know, the whole make toys out of anything was a very big deal. Because that's what you did. I mean, you you made do. So in historical fiction. Well, there's a lot of make do and in my book, for sure. See, what a great transition, huh? (laughs) 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 I mean, mine isn't exactly like Great Depression-ish, but it's called The Second Life of Muriel West. And it's actually about leprosy. Ew. Bits falling off of you? Well, I mean, that's the stereotypical... I know, I know, I know. ...like medieval kind of leprosy. I'm talking... This takes place in 1920, and it's about uh, Muriel West, hence the name, 
and she's wait, a wait. What's what's the title and artist? The Second Life of Muriel West by Amanda Scanandor. And this is set in the 1920s um, about Muriel West, hence the name. And she is a socialite. She's kind of a richie. Um, her husband's an actor who's been in films. So, you know, she has like, you know, the maid, the housekeeper, the whole nine yards, big house, yada, yada, doesn't have to work, goes to lots of luncheons and shopping and is a bit of a lush <laughs> you know, like like all good socialites were in 1920. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day when she is getting ready to go out, she burns her hand on her curling iron. And it's a pretty significant burn. So they call the doctor and the doctor comes over to their house to look at it. And um, she also has this scaly spot on her hand, like right near where she burned it with a curling iron and the doctor is kind of iffy about it and sends her to the hospital for tests now they don't tell her anything that's going on and they do some tests at the hospital and immediately put her in quarantine again not telling her anything that's going on she's like i don't even understand i'm trying to go to a party why are you keeping me here yada yada so on and so forth And then finally, sometime the next day, the doctor comes in and tells her that she has leprosy. (gasps) And at the time, there wasn't really a treatment for leprosy. And there it it was very it it had a a stigma towards it that like if you're around at somebody Mm -hmm. with leprosy or whatever, you're going to instantly catch it and your limbs are going to fall off and your skin's going to fall off and you know, it was very dramatized in everybody's mind. So it was like social suicide if anyone that you're associated with has leprosy. So of course they want to keep it hush hush. So they immediately send her by train from Los Angeles to this leprosy colony. Dude, I didn't know they still had that in like 1920s. Well, apparently they did. Wow, that's crazy. Which what it is, it it was like a um, it was like a military hospital. But the people who had leprosy all lived in this colony because they were trying to keep them away from the public. So it was almost like a prison. And just the way that they treated the people with leprosy, like on the train, like going. I mean, you're talking this lady comes from a first class high pollutant lifestyle society high society girl and when they put her on the train she doesn't even have a seat they put her in a box car with other people and she ends up having to sit on her own trunks of stuff because they don't they don't have anything and if she wanted a drink she had to go to the community barrel of water and get a drink and it was just it was horrible how they were treated and she goes to the colony when she's used to having money for anything she wants. And she, I mean, she doesn't have any money anymore. She doesn't have anything. She so has, basically her family just said, fuck off. You've got leprosy. What? Well, they didn't I, send any money with her. I, they didn't send money. I don't know if they, when what does she need money, money for? She's in this like leper colony. Well, I what mean, they have, buy? they have like a store and stuff that she can go buy stuff, but definitely nothing like what she's used to. And I mean, she like lives in this house that's shared with a bunch of other people. So all she has is a room, like with a bed and a rickety nightstand and a dresser. And it, it took her a while to adjust and she tries to escape once and just, <laughs> and, and then it talks about like, the disease itself and other people in the colony and how progressive their diseases are and um, how like if you escape and they actually called the police and would come arrest you and bring you back to the colony and they had their own little jail there that they would put you in because you're a menace to society because of this leprosy. So they very much treated very much like outcasts. Mm -hmm. I guess that's why we say that now. Like we say like treated like lepers i mean because that's why right because that's that's what happened Uh and leprosy isn't as catchy as what people think and she even has that same stigma in her train of thought when she goes to this colony she's very snobby and rude and standoffish to the people because she doesn't even want to touch them because she's like 
I don't want to catch your germs. But it's like, dude, you have the same thing. Why, why would you right. even be like that? Yeah, so it's just about her trying to, you know, live in this colony and transition and friends that she makes. And, and I mean, there's children in this colony, too, that have leprosy that, you know, some of them are orphans because their family just basically dropped them off at the, at the colony and never came back. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not quite as sad as the books that I usually read. There was no, you know, throne of babies or anything like cool. that. But it was pretty... Just the way that people treat other people, just... Mm-hmm. That's what makes me the saddest about this book. Why you would treat... I don't care if you're sick or not. I mean, or if it's, you know, not quite as catchy. Even if it's not catchy, there's no reason to treat people. I mean, even if it is catchy, skin to skin, there's no reason to treat people like that, I don't think. And that's what I think. Other people can disagree with me. I think everybody should be treated like humans, whether or not they have a specific disease or not. But um, this was very well written. Um, I did like the writing in it. I did not really like the main character. <laughs> and we've talked about this before because she's she's a Richie. And she acts like a Richie. And, she's, and Lonnie doesn't like Richies. Well, she's just portrayed as this snobby, bitchy. Entitled. Entitled mm. woman who goes in. And yes, she has her own problems. Before she even went into the colony, she had problems with her own marriage. Um, she had lost a child and she was still kind of grieving over that, which they talk about a lot in the book. So, you know, trigger warning. I mean, they talk about about losing a child, if anyone has problems with that. Um, but she just, I mean, she becomes a better person in the colony. And I do appreciate the fact that she becomes a better person. But even near the end of the book, she was still kind of a bitch in my eyes. <laughs> a bitch with leprosy. Maybe a little less entitled, but still kind of a bitch. Uh, well, yeah. But it was everyone a, gets redeemed at the end. Well, that and, you know, I'm very much about like how a character is like near the beginning of the book and, ha- and the first half of the book. Like if they completely change the character, a lot of times I just think back to that and it's it's hard to change my mind once I make an opinion. No. I know. It's a problem that I have. I can't help it with real people and fictional characters. <laughs> it's very difficult for me to see the redemption. I like that. I mean, I like the way you just said that. To s- redemption is a cool word. It is. It's a yeah. very cool word. Yeah. But that, again, was The Second Life of Mariel West. Um, I w- would suggest not really maybe eating anything with a squishy middle when you're reading this because they are talking about leprosy and they do go into details about the skin disease part of it. So it's a little gross. It, it's a little detailed in parts. I mean, I read it at work, so I wasn't eating, so I didn't have that problem. But I would say maybe nothing with like a cream center. I wouldn't eat a, a, a filled donut while you're, while you're reading this, maybe. You're totally grossing me out now. No cream puffs? We got through the whole thing without you grossing me out. Now you're grossing me out. It's because I have to. It's my job every week to gross you out just a little bit. I have so many questions about leprosy now. It actually made me curious, and I stopped halfway through the book, and I was Googling stuff. Uh, well, I'm going to have to Google it later i know i already too, know that it's i'm a, like I already, we don't see leprosy well, anymore? it's because like, it's a back it it's a bacteria and they use antibiotics to treat it yeah it's been it's treatable now so if you which people can still catch leprosy you know you can get leprosy from i think it's armadillos uh, armadillos, armadillos, yeah. armadillos, armadillos, armadillos carry yeah. leprosy there you go rachel what do you have an armadillo why do we all know that Texas. somebody must have been telling us like that's where readers that readers know this shit that is weird. I mean, I think I knew that because I watched so many documentaries. I love documentaries. I feel like I just read something not that long ago where they were talking about armadillos and leprosy, which is really just a strange thing, but whatever. Yeah. I just watched a, doc- a documentary that I really would like to talk to, but we'll do it at the end in case we don't have time because 
Fuck me. It was brutal. All right. Um, Who wants to follow leprosy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid I'm going to catch it if I follow. Listen, don't be one of those people. Don't stigmatize now. (laughs) What? Okay. So Vani's book is kind of gross. Love it. Love it. But it's informative. My book, my book is disturbing. Gross and disturbing. That's us, three book girls. Gross and disturbing. It is a little. It is a little gross too. But I, I'm not going to go into detail because I don't want to give stuff away. Are you going to tell us what foods to avoid? (laughs) At least she gave the disclaimer. (laughs) No jello. No pudding. Somebody be right in the middle of eating some tapioca pudding and go. No. (laughs) Tapioca pudding is, I can't anyway because of the texture. All right. So what do you got, Rach? Okay. So um, I read The Nothing Man by Catherine Ryan Howard. So, um, I I thought this book was older because all of the images of the book I've seen is clearly like a a snapshot somebody took of their own book. So I found that kind of weird. It's not old though. I mean, it was, uh, it was published in August of 2020. So our main character, her name is Eve Black and 20 ish years ago, um, Eve was the only survivor of a serial killer called the nothing man as so deemed by you know the media and everything because all of the people that he murdered and attacked and all of this he never left anything behind and eve doesn't quite know why she was left alive um and she was young at the time i want to say 12 and she was home when the rest of her family was murdered. And her family's murder was the last murder that occurred from the nothing man. And then he just stopped. And we do know that he's a man for a couple reasons. One, she tells us because she saw him, but also his narrative is part of the story. Oh dear. So you know who he is the whole time. So the nothing man- You know man, who he is? You know who he is the whole time. So his name is Jim Doyle. He is now a security guard at a grocery store. (gasps) And so the book opens up, not from Eve's perspective, but from Jim's perspective. He's at the store on security duty, walking past the book section, just like we were talking about looking at books at Walmart and Target earlier. And he notices a true crime book <gasps> entitled The Nothing Man. And he's like, that's me. Huh? He's like, all right. And he knows who Eve is. Obviously, he left her alive. Did and she write the book? She wrote the book. <gasps> and so he's like, all right, they don't know anything clearly, but I'm going to read it to see what she knows. So this book flip-flops a lot. It goes from perspective of Jim, both present and past, but it also goes from perspective of Eve, present and past. And it sort of weaves you through different things that were going on as he's reading the book, as well as her process and other things. But of course, like with with anything, especially she was young when this happened, memories aren't always what we think they are. And it turns out from the book, she knows more than what he thinks she does. And though he's been on hiatus for the last 20 some years, um, he's like, well, did reading, did reading about it, wet his appetite and he got back to it. What? No, he didn't want her from his perspective to dig any further into this essentially. Right. But there's other stuff at play that even you as the reader don't get to know until the final stuff starts to come out and interactions happen. And it, it was so, so good. It was so good. And there was a lot of twists in it, especially just when you start to, because he's reading some of this book. And so you're seeing her writing. And so this is about a book. This is a book about a book essentially. And, but again, 
his perspective is in it as well as hers, but it also kind of makes you think, it, it made me think, is everything I read in a true crime novel actually true? <laughs> or was it a ploy in some ways? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, and there are characters in the book that they seem naive in certain ways, but aren't really. Yeah, so I thought it was really, really good. There was some stuff that the author kind of threw in there that, you know, you just are like, okay, I'm not quite sure about this. But again, it was really good. And it's always creepy and good, I think, when we get to have the killer's perspective. And he's a dick. Let's just call it what it is. He really is. I mean, clearly, he's a murderer. But I love the having um, the, the bad guy's perspective. Love it. Yeah. It makes it so creepy. It is. It's so ominous with things. So I loved it. Um, I gave it four and a half stars, but I'd probably give it five stars, honestly. Um, And again, that was The Nothing Man by Catherine Ryan Howard. It sounds awesome. It sounds good. Did he know he left the girl or did he not find out until somebody wrote a book about him? Oh, no, he knows. Okay. Could you imagine? It seems like a really dumb thing to do. (laughs) To leave somebody alive? Yeah. Right. Well, and believe me, he thinks that now when you come in, I don't necessarily know, and I'm not sure he even knows why back then, but he does address that in his own thoughts a little bit, but he left her alive purposely. And how ballsy do you have to be if they never find the killer to then write a book about it? It's like asking him to come get you. Well, that That's question true. actually gets answered oh. in, in the book. But you have to read the book to find out why she did that. Dear oh. Lord, crazy girl. People are it's dumb. like going to a haunted house and playing the Ouija board. You're just asking the ghost I to know, start right? fucking with you. Which I would totally do, <laughs> by the way. I was going to say, I, I can't believe you didn't have a Ouija board in your purse when we went to the Stanley Hotel. Come on. Oh, don't think I, I was didn't just going to say, it. it's like going to the Stanley Hotel <laughs> and taking pictures in the mirrors. You're just asking for it. I took pictures. I totally wanted to go to the fourth floor that's supposed to be the most haunted. That would be so awesome. Yeah, okay, but I'll say, I'll say this in relation to the question of why would you open yourself up to that? She was 12 years old. Her mother, father, and younger sister were all butchered. The only thing that saved her life is that she snuck a soda into her room and had to get up and go to the bathroom. And that's why she wasn't in her room. Hmm. And she she wants answers. But also, she's a, Eve is a little more cunning than you actually know. But you have to read through everything to find oh, that yeah. out. Mm. So crazy, crazy, crazy girl. I love her. Mm. She's a crazy. I could see you doing that. I could see writing the book. I would. That's a Rachel thing. Come at me. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say. Come at me, bro. You murdered my whole family. Yeah, I'm going to find you. (laughs) Nice. So, Keith, got a squishy romance or something smutty up your sleeve? Ooh, smutty. Uh, uh, my book is about like a, a, a criminal, but like she turns out to not be as much as a criminal as like one would think. I read Other People's Things by Carrie Ann King. Uh, and this was sent to us by the publisher by Lake Union Publishing. I thank them for that. Um, this was really, really good. I gave it five stars. I liked it a lot. I've never read anything by this author, but now I have to go look up more stuff. Um, so this book is about Nicole and everyone calls her nickel, like since she was a little girl. And, um, so she, since she was a little girl, she steals things like lots of things. Um, and there's no, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. Um, there's talk at the beginning of the book, like they talk about how something traumatic happened to her when she was six but you don't know what it was for a long time. Um, And when we open, she's like in her late twenties and she's just gotten out of jail. Her marriage is rocky because she's married to like one of her criminal defense lawyers for another time when she was brought up on charges of theft. Yeah, so, (laughs) but she has stolen $20,000 from him 
she found $20,000 in like one of those bundles in a drawer and she stole it. And he really wants the money back. Like he's pretty ticked off and he just wants it back. And she is not going to give it back. And this is her husband? Yes. And they're in the process of getting divorced. She is in the process of divorcing him. He does not necessarily want to divorce her, but he does want his money back. Like Nickel, so she's living at home, like with her mom in like the basement. She can't get a job because she's a felon, like an ex-felon, and she steals things. (laughs) So um, her sister, um, and everybody in her family is really, really tired of her, like, and this, this urge she has to steal things. So like, um, she has a younger, younger, I don't know. She has another sister who's very, very jerky toward her because she's like, you always get the attention nickel because you're the one that's always stealing things and we have to bail you out. And it's always you, you, you. And, and we find out that like Nichols actually <laughs> like a really nice person. She's really sweet. She's kind of naive about a lot of stuff. Um, but it turns out that she's not quote unquote stealing in her mind. Things speak to her and they say to her, I do not belong where I am. I need to be relocated to so she will pick them up and then she has to carry them around. And at some point they will speak to her again and say, this is where I need to be. So for instance, like she'll steal something from, like she'll steal money from someone and then it ends up in a coat that somebody who desperately needed the money buys kind of thing. Huh. So so she thinks she's like give taking from the rich, giving to the poor or something. Is she like Robin Hood? Not exactly. More, it sounds she more like a that, mental illness where, you know. Yeah, like she doesn't know that good happens from what she does. She just knows that she has this urge that is so strong that it hurts her to leave things in the places they don't belong to be because she really doesn't want to take things because she knows that she's going to get in trouble and she doesn't want to get in trouble. She knows that her family is going to be so upset with her. She's married to like this criminal defense attorney, but so many things in her life and other people's lives end up being intersected in a weird way because it's like fate puts these things there. And if she doesn't move them, other things don't happen. I mean, she meets her husband because she has stolen something and gotten caught. So that kind of stuff happens to her a lot. And she doesn't know if it's good or bad. She just knows that it has to be moved. So her sister is, her older sister's kind of toward the end of a rope. She has this cleaning business and um, she owns the business. And against her better judgment, she hires her sister to help her clean houses. And they are nice houses. I mean, like she cleans for some idea. Holy shit. Right. But I mean, and she knows, and she says to her before they go in each place, like, you can't take anything. You're not going to take anything. And Nicole says, you know, no, I'm not going to steal anything because she's not, she doesn't want to steal anything. And I mean, she gets frisked and stuff by her sister. I mean, her sister knows, and she doesn't let her clean by herself a lot. And she puts her in just bathrooms where she thinks there won't be anything she would want to steal. So the story starts with, she goes into one home and on this coffee table, there is this tattered version of Dante's Inferno. It's just this old book, like this Goodwill book. Like it's not some limited edition. It's not, it's just some beat up paperback copy of Dante's Inferno. And that copy of that book needs to go. It's like, you need to take me. That's it. So she takes the book. I mean, she struggles with it for a while and then she takes the book. And when they go to clean another person's house, a single woman who like lives in this huge house by herself. And she's like, she tells the sister, 
no one but you is allowed to be in my house because she's very paranoid about a lot of stuff. So when Nickel goes into the house, the book says, oh, I need to be put on that desk over there in this woman's house. And this woman is named Andrea. And when Andrea finds the book, she freaks the heck out, calls the sister and is like, where did this book come from? And the sister knows nothing about it and has to like say, someone else was in your house, like helping me clean. I'm sorry. And she loses her business and it's a huge deal. Dang. I mean, because now Nichols like messing with her sister's business basically and her livelihood. So the husband wants his money really bad, right? And so he hires a private eye to follow her around. And the woman who she took the book from, the sister makes her call her and say, hey, I took your book, can I replace it? And that woman is so fascinated by the whole thing because she says, I'm really sorry I took your book, it needed to go somewhere else. And that woman becomes fascinated with the whole thing. And the whole book is this insane mystery because why is the one woman, Andrea, why does the book freak her out so badly? Why did the husband have $20,000 and where was that supposed to be? And why is he freaking out that he needs it back? Because I mean, he's a lawyer and he makes lots of money. And it's just all these weird twists and turns having to do with all the things she's relocated and they all end up meaning something that puts something else into place. It was really, really entertaining. You want to like not like her because you're like, oh, she's a klepto. And then by the end of the book, you're like, no, you guys don't understand. She needs to move these things. They don't want to be there. <laughs> like toward the end, I was like, I feel bad for all the people that steal. What if they're going through this? But I mean, so I mean, it it has like this touch of magic or fate or whatever. But oh my gosh, it was so entertaining and twisty. It was great. I really liked it a lot. Uh, And that, again, was called Other People's Things by Carrie Ann King. You know what it kind of makes me think of? Mm. Um, In Dirty Jobs, the death dealers. Oh, yes. That go and find the things of these people that are dying because their souls go into the items. Into one item that that person owns. And the, the death dealer has to go and find that item and then put it in the secondhand shop. Where somebody else will come and pick it up. And, and they'll it. they'll come and buy it and they're just drawn to that item yeah. and they buy it because, you know. I think about that book every time I go into a secondhand store. Yeah, because that soul is supposed <laughs> like, to belong soul to am them. I yeah. Yeah, it's cool. But anyways, a very different kind of book, but it kind of made me think of that. Yep. Yep. It actually kind of made me think about um, Vacuum in the Dark. Hmm. That one about the girl who cleans houses. It was, I don't know that It was one. super bizarre, but it was a great book. If you read it, then it's super bizarre. <laughs> of course it is, yes. <laughs> or she vacuumed in the dark because she was cleaning naked or something. Yeah, she did. She would take pictures of herself naked in people's houses. <laughs> it was a great How did book. I know? How did I know that? It was a, it was a great book. It really was. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk about that book right now. I'm going to talk about another freaking awesome book. A debut novel that I will be featuring today. It is called Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead. Oh, yay. By Emily R. Austin. Am I going to buy a copy of this book for my shelf? Yes, I am. For starters, it was hilarious. The main character is very anxiety-ridden. I mean, to the point of the people in the ER know her. Because she goes in so often with panic attacks and stuff. Oh. She's like freaked out about everything. She's just super, super. And she, she's not good at keeping a job because she sleeps in. I mean, she just has all kinds of issues. So one day she decides, okay, I'm going to get help. She sees this flyer for th- free. She sees a flyer for free therapy that's taking place at a Catholic church. Well, the thing about that you need to know about Gilda, who's the main character, is that she is an atheist. 
She's also a lesbian. And so she goes to this Catholic church to go for free therapy. And when she walks in the door, the priest thinks that she's there for a job. And he basically hires her for this job. Well, she doesn't disabuse him of the notion that she needs a job because she does need a job. (laughs) So she basically is, from the very first moment, working under false pretenses because she's not Catholic. So she immediately starts trying to memorize lines <laughs> for the Catholic mass and the rosary and all those things. She, you know, if you've ever been in a Catholic church, they have a script for everything. Yes, they do. Yes. Uh, my husband is Catholic, so I've felt this very often. I think that's one of the reasons I connected with the book so quickly. Because, yeah, I'm an atheist. Yeah, I've had to practice pretending to be a Catholic. I did get married in Catholic Church, by the way. Anyway, Gilda is a very extreme individual. And one of the first things she does as the receptionist for this church is she opens the email. Because nobody's opened the email since um, this person left because the priest doesn't know anything about the Internet. Oh, dear. And so she opens this email and there's... The previous person's name is, I want to say Rose. No, Grace. Grace's old friend. Um, but Grace is dead. Grace is the old receptionist. She has died. But the person that she's exchanging emails with doesn't know she's dead. Oh. So Gilda feels so bad. And she doesn't want to have to be the one... She doesn't want to have to be the one to tell this old friend that her friend is dead. So she just keeps corresponding with her. Awesome. (laughs) I mean, she's this this character is so flawed, but yet so hilarious that I just fell in love with her instantly. And I just absolutely love the book. She she's trying to find out what happened to Grace, who's the person that died. She thinks it's something nefarious. And so that's part of the plot as well. It reminded me a lot of Eleanor Oliophant. It's completely fine. I really, I really liked that book as well. I love those quirky characters. In fact, it's almost slapstick at times. It has that feeling of, um, you know, everything's going wrong because it does. Um, (laughs) And there's all kinds of weird stuff. Like at, at this one point, she's, She's suspicious of the priest, and so she goes snooping around in his house, and he, and somebody comes home, you know, and she's hiding. You know, it's that same scene that you get in all the movies and stuff like that. But it was just <laughs> such a good book. I just liked it so much. I liked the characters. I loved the humor that was such a big part of it. If, if I, I ordered a copy because I heard it was amazing. It was amazing. It was an, but yeah, I ordered a copy because it sounded like it was great. Yeah. So I guess I'm not the only one. It sounds kind of different than the books you usually, I mean, it didn't sound like fantasy, sci-fi. I know. It's weird though. It didn't sound weird enough for you. It's weird. You know, the main character being, being the fact that she's a lesbian and an atheist and she goes to work for the Catholic church. That in itself is hilarious. Come on now. I mean, that's a little different, but not as weird as what you usually go to. Yeah, that's true. But I really connected with the character anyway. And I think Emily R. Austin is going to be a star. And I can't wait to get that bad boy on my shelf. I did listen to a copy from the library first because I always do that. Um, The the audio was excellent. So if you like audiobooks, you're going to love this. And uh, I highly recommend it. I gave it five stars. It's called Everyone nice. in This Room Will Someday Be Dead by Emily R. Austin. And that is true. Cool. Everyone will someday be dead. Yep. Don't want to think about that, man. No. Nope. Leave it on a happy note. <laughs> because you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. But speaking of death, Yay! the documentary that I watched was called <laughs> Dr. Death. And it was about a, a neuro surgeon uh spinal that's neuro neurological right spinal surgery uh, anyways yeah. it was a dude that hacked up 
like 33 different patients because when he operated on their spine, he did it incorrectly. I mean, flagrantly incorrectly. And I guess at the time that this happened, there were laws protecting doctors in Texas. So Uh, figured if it was in Texas. So like there was limited stuff that these patients could do to even sue the doctor about it. And like everybody just kept passing them into the next hospital and never turned them into the uh, medical board or anything until this one doctor had to go in and correct one of his surgeries. And then he started researching this guy and found out just what, how horrible he was. And, and he just kept going in and operating on people, even though he didn't know what he was doing? Yeah. Yeah, why not? He basically had this God complex and thought that he was blaming, like, the mistakes on, like, other people. Like, he was distracted, and that's why he put the screw in the muscle and not in the bone. He was, the anesthesiologist messed up, and that's why, you know, the patient bled out and died. I mean, it it was horrible. I was watching this going, I'm never going to the doctor again. And here's me on the other end going, now, Bonnie, not all doctors are assholes. (laughs) But I will say Alec Baldwin was in this. And we think Alec Baldwin is hot. So now, yeah, we're on an Alec Baldwin is hot kick. Because isn't he, I mean, he just has such a he presence. He is so sexy. Screen. You know, I think his vo- Alec Baldwin has the sexiest freaking voice. He does. I need Golly. to record his voice so that I you can just let it Donald play. You know he does Donald Trump, right? Yeah, I know. But as, <laughs> but as a joke. But he hates Donald Trump. But to be fair, what Bonnie's talking about, um, there, there have been cases of people doing those things and there are books about that robot but there is books about that because i've read books about that before i did it a couple of years back as one of my october reads there was a uh, there was a i don't think it was a doctor he was a nurse oh and he was going in and killing patients that he thought were suffering but they were people in his mind that he thought were suffering he just thought well this person's in pain so bloop i'm gonna kill you yep (laughs) So that happened in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. So it's, you were saying all that, and it sounded very familiar, yeah. honestly. As much as we rag on Texas lately, that happened in Pennsylvania. Well, we're pretty mad at Texas. But that's okay, Rachel. We still love you. Yeah, well, we do Pen- love you. Pennsylvania now, the malpractice insurance and everything is ridiculous. I mean, I know a lot of people in the medical field who have moved to Texas because it is so much better there, mm-hmm. but... Probably because of this whole doctor death garbage, but. Mm. Well, I know that after, I think after all of that, they changed some of the laws. I bet. (laughs) But. um, I would. Because it was also the first criminal case that they brought up against a doctor where Mm. he, he actually, I mean, he got life in prison. Good. So he's not due to. he should have. He's He's operating on prisoners now. Well, no, because he doesn't have (laughs) medical license anymore. With a shank. With a shit. Shake, shake, shake. These kind of books, books about true events, scary true events like this. If this is a book, I don't know if it is, but I know that Angel of Death one was a book that I read or like true crime. It it freaks me out. I can't read too many of them in a row. Maybe you should read one for October. Anyway. I know somebody I want to yeet in the river is my mom after this shopping excursion. For this wedding. Uh-huh. I've got another wedding. Speaking of weddings. Ooh, next, I know. Yes. Next week you're going to a wedding. Guys, I'm, very, I'm very scared. Listen to this. Okay. This is the first time that I am totally turning over the entire podcast to someone else. And I'm scared. To I record and edit. I'm not ready. It's like mom and dad are leaving the house and leaving the kids for yep. a party. Next weekend's show is totally off my back. Who's bringing the vodka? Well, my son will be I watching the house as well, so I'm sure he'll have a party plan. Oh. So if, if Dylan's going to be here, there's going to be vodka somewhere yep. or tequila. Woo. Well, my son's going to come out and help me record the podcast because I th- all of this equipment scares me. I don't know what anything does. We've uh. already discussed it. He's going to help me with the edit, and he's going to come out and record the podcast. 
He's not going to read a book, so he's not going to be on the podcast, but he's going to record it. So next week we have to be on point because I'm very afraid of editing. I was telling Martha last night, I'm going to say cut every five minutes. Cut. Oh, cut that out, by the way, will you? I'm like, no, it's all staying in. (laughs) It's going to be the longest podcast ever. (laughs) So just be warned, next weekend's going to be super interesting. While I'm off in Minnesota. Oh, I was just going to tell you. So my dog, right? She was going out into the yard. So this started, I don't know, a week ago, maybe. And she loved this one spot in the yard, right? Well, I just thought. Love to shit there? (laughs) No, she just wanted to go be by it and smell it. Uh Right? She didn't want to do anything, but she wanted to be there. And I was like, what are you doing? And so for days, I'm like, I don't know. It's just something in the yard, right? And so yesterday, when I'm at work, Tom sends me a video. It's baby rabbit. (gasps) Right? Because she she's wanting to go out there and lay there and just she just wants to be there to the point where the other night at in the middle of the night we were sleeping and she wanted to go out and check on the baby bunnies starts barking like crazy so she could go out and see the bunnies. So now this is just all day, all the time. She now she even lays by the back door. Oh, that's so sweet, though. She wants to go out and check on these bunnies. That's all she wants to do. She just wants to be out there with them and sit by them and lay by them and smell them. That's all she wants to do. You know, if it was my dog, I could tell you what the problem was. She wants some Hassenpfeffer. She she wants to eat the bunnies. Snack. The only time one of my animals found baby bunnies, it was my cats, and it wasn't pretty. Oh. Yeah. We had baby <laughs> bunny parts hanging out of the trees. Mm, yeah. trees. What kind of sadistic <laughs> did you have? I think we better end soon because, you know, it, it's getting yeah, even more gory. Again, this isn't even October and we're already in the gore section. <laughs> What's the freak, Bonnie? There's pre- nothing like... It's pre. pre looking out your second floor window of your bedroom and there's half a dead bunny laying in the tree. Oh, my God. None of them live, though. We can't end with dead bunnies, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Can we please get something funny up in here? Where do you I'm going to have to get rid of all of this. Where do you go after dead bunnies? Dead bunnies. I was so tired. I was so tired after work yesterday. A coworker was walking out with me, and she's like, oh, I love your new car, as I'm standing by what I think is my new car. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So we talked and she walked away to get into her car. And I'm like, why won't this thing open? And then I look inside and I was like, wait a second. I don't drive a Honda. (laughs) My car was parked right next to it. How many times have you done that though? Yeah. Did you, but here's the question. Did you wait? But I kept like pulling on the door handle and I can hear it click because my stupid car is right next door. (laughs) And I'm like, and so finally I look inside and I'm like, this is a Honda. <laughs> but did you wait for your coworker to pull away so you weren't so embarrassed when you your walked around to get into the right car? Well, luckily, <laughs> I was right next to it, and I knew, like, at, when she gets in the car, she doesn't drive away right away, so she couldn't see me. And oh. so before anybody else came out, I was like, just casually to the next And now you've outed yourself to the entire world, Rachel, so be prepared for your face to be red when you go to work on Monday. I'm and surprised she was you didn't. How much she loved my new car? I was like, "Yeah, it's great," but I was like, "This isn't my new car." I'm surprised you didn't set off like the car alarm or something because I've actually set off my own car alarm when I've like pushed the button to think that I've unlocked it, but I haven't. Or <laughs> if you unlock if you unlock my car but you don't open the actual door, like in a set number of times, it relocks itself. So like when I walk out with a coworker and we're chatting and talking and I've already pushed my button, but then it locks again and I haven't noticed, I'll go to pull my handle and I'll pull it hard enough. Then my alarm starts going off. And then the entire world thinks that you're ripping off somebody's car. Yes. And then you're like, oh, oh, it's mine. Well, and luckily this person <laughs> didn't have a car alarm because I was yanking on the handle 
because I'm like unlocking and I'm like, you won't open. I'm unlocking. And won't open. Our I'm new car. Call, I'm about to call the cops and have them come and lock your car. Well, I'm lucky the VA police didn't come by because they're federal police officers. Like, and they can arrest you. Like we have a jail cell. Oh, oh my God. Did, have I told the story about uh, Josh Lepton's car? I hope those baby bunnies aren't like the Monty Python bunnies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god! They have a stuffed animal that thing. They do. Holy shit! With the oh big teeth. God. I know. I've seen it. That's frightening as crap. Got to put a link to that thing in there. Maybe I should have put those bunnies around with my cats, and they'd be less likely to go find baby. Bunnies. Perhaps we should I get the holy me. hand grenade of Antioch. <laughs> run away! It's time for us to run away, and that's gonna do it for three, three book girls. That was so not funny at all. That's all right, funny. Bonnie. We'll be super funny next week. Can't get enough of three book girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group. Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.